Happy Friday and Happy New Year to you. It's the first Friday Five of 2023 here on the ASG Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Rupel, and this is our weekly list of five things you should know about. We've got a good mix to get through today, so let's get started with number one. NAHU, the National Association of Health Underwriters, has rebranded for 2023. As of January 1st, they are now known as the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals, or NABIP for short. I'm pretty sure they're going to stick with the initialism rather than go with an acronym, and I've tried out a few different ways the latter could sound, and none of them really sound good. And you might be wondering, why the rebrand? Well, Talks began in November of 2021 when a rebranding task force was created because according to the NABIP, quote, our current name, specifically the word underwriter, is confusing and no longer serves us well, end quote. There were a few criteria set forth for the rebranding, inclusivity and representative of the different members within the organization's ranks. And then NABIP wanted the name to have authority, but also for their association's purpose to be clear to outsiders by name alone. National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals certainly manages to do all of those things. NABIP also updated their tagline from the wordy Protecting the Consumer's Future, America's Benefits Specialists to the admittedly clean Shaping the Future of Healthcare. And then, of course, in addition to the new name and tagline, there's a new logo, new branding colors, and we will be linking to a page with all the rebranding info on it and links to resources so you can update their information on any resources or materials you offer. Number two, in case you missed it, On December 19th, Congress proposed their $1.7 trillion spending package that was then passed into law on December 22nd. That bill is the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023, and there were a couple of health policies in there. The one I want to highlight here today, though, has to do with the Great Unwinding, which is now more like the Great Uncoupling. The COVID-19 public health emergency gave states an increase to federal matching rate dollars as long as the state would not drop beneficiaries from Medicaid rolls as long as the PHE went on. We've covered this a few times here on the show because renewals of the public health emergency have sometimes come in at the last minute with only a day or two to spare. And even with the 60-day notice promise from HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra, that's just 60 days for beneficiaries, issuers, and every program and touchpoint in between to coordinate new coverage. The Kaiser Family Foundation reported in early December of 2022 that between 5 million and 14 million people 
will lose their Medicaid coverage when the public health emergency ends. So rather than a great unwinding, as I mentioned, the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023 has uncoupled the continuous Medicaid enrollment requirement from the public health emergency. States can begin dropping beneficiaries from their roles beginning April 1, 2023. At the time of the legislation being passed, this gave an almost 100-day window for states to coordinate their efforts and begin clearing their Medicaid rolls for the first time since the public health emergency was put into place. We will have a link to the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023 in our episode notes, as well as a piece from fierce healthcare writer Robert King. He covered the great uncoupling and some other highlights from the $1.7 trillion omnibus legislation, and that is definitely worth reading. Number three. In last week's Friday Five, we did a first-glance look at CMS's contract year 2024 MA and Part D proposed rule. I pulled out five things from that document that jumped out at us at first glance. Now, if you missed that episode, we will have the link to it in the episode notes. Definitely want to take a listen because there are a lot of potential changes coming. In last week's episode, though, I mentioned that we would likely be pulling more details out of the proposed rule over the course of the next few weeks, and I have another item here today. This one has to do with leads and how contact information is often sold from one organization to another. CMS is now calling that practice misleading. CMS doesn't call it a bait-and-switch outright, but they did say, quote, a beneficiary initiates contact with one organization and then ends up receiving calls from multiple other unrelated entities. This practice goes beyond the scope of what we consider permissible, end quote. So CMS is essentially saying that the practice of selling leads in that manner creates a confusing and misleading experience for beneficiaries. Their proposed rule, quote, personal beneficiary data collected by a TPMO may not be distributed to other TPMOs, end quote. That change would apply to both Medicare Advantage and Medicare Part D plan lead information. Allison Bell from ThinkAdvisor mentioned this item from the proposed rule as well as a few others in a recent article, some of which we covered in last week's episode, some that we did not, and we will be linking to her piece in the notes so you can read through that as well, and of course, we will continue to keep you updated. Number four, speaking of updates. Earlier this week, we sent out the first round of invites to our State of the Senior Market presentation. It's an annual tradition here at Ritter Insurance Marketing, and it's also a presentation that is packed with information. Our CEO, Craig Ritter, talks about the latest news here at Ritter, enrollment stats, and my personal favorites, Medicare regulation and legislation, as well as major industry trends. 
And this year, we are making it an event that you do not want to miss. You can either attend virtually or if you're within driving distance of the Philadelphia area, you can attend in person. It is a great opportunity to hear from Craig and network with our Ritter family. Our State of the Senior Market is happening on March 7th at the Crown Plaza in Philadelphia, and registration is officially open. If you would like to attend, head over to ridderim.com slash SOTSM to register. Again, you can attend live and in person or virtually online. But if you're within driving distance, I highly recommend attending in person. As we said, it is a great networking opportunity, and in addition to the information side of things, it's going to be a great time. That link again is ridderim.com slash SOTSM, and we will have that link in our notes for you as well. Number five. Now that we're through the holidays and firmly in the new year, it's time to prepare your mind for that January feeling. For some, it's just the blahs of the early winter season, but for others battling seasonal depression or facing any mental health challenges, this time of year can be tough. Being able to distinguish between the two is important because you can't fight the enemy without knowing what it is. But I do have a couple of tips that I'd like to share that can help. One way to fight back against those feelings is with a joy workout. It is a series of moves that are designed to invoke happiness. The moves tap into your psyche to elicit a positive and joyful response. Another tip we've mentioned here on the show before is to get outside and touch some grass. It can be as simple as taking in the view of the trees as you walk around your neighborhood or heading to a local trail and getting in touch with nature. And the last one that I will mention here, listen to brown noise. I tend to listen to the sound of rain when I want to drown out noise, and I know a few people that like listening to white noise for the same reason. Brown noise is a deeper and lower tone than white noise. It's sometimes called red noise, and according to Healthline, some similar sounds in nature are thunder, low roaring, and strong waterfalls. So the sound is deeper, it's lower, essentially high energy at low frequencies. And for some, the sound is relaxing, helping them to remain calm and focus. There are a few other suggestions in an article from the New York Times that we will be linking to in the notes, as well as a link to learn more about the Joy Workout. And they do have a video, so that is worth watching as well. Rupel recommends. In the interest of time for this week, I just have one recommendation that I want to mention today, and that is about the new Netflix series Kaleidoscope. It's the story of a heist with a twist. Episodes are broken down into eight colors, and each one falls in a different place on the show's timeline. 
The twist is, you can watch the episodes in any order, as long as you finish with the white episode. That was intended by the producers to be the finale, so it is where the story wraps up. To facilitate the idea of watching in any order, Netflix supposedly randomized the playlist for every account, so your episode order could differ from that of another user. I took that a step further in my watching, choosing episodes at random until I was ready to finish out the series with the white episode. And I have some thoughts. First, a little background. The show is a typical heist story. There's a ringleader with a crew, and they are planning an elaborate heist. In each episode, we're introduced to the characters, and we get a little bit more of the overall story, as well as some character development. Now, I was a huge fan of the TV show Lost, so I enjoy the variation of flashback, current story, and flash forward. I think it's an effective storytelling element, and it's used in an innovative way in Kaleidoscope. What I did not like was that Netflix has a summary of each episode and tells you where along the timeline the episode fits in. I think if they really wanted to lean into the watch-in-any-order directive, they could have removed both of those descriptors for a little more mystery. I also liked that Kaleidoscope featured normalized characters as compared to other popular heist shows that rely a little too heavily on suspension of disbelief. The intro segments for each episode revolving as if you're looking through a kaleidoscope were visually stunning, and I liked that each episode faded in and out from its respective color. I read in a few reviews that each episode featured its title color prominently, but Honestly, I got too lost in the story to follow along with that. I was trying to keep up with the twists and turns and whether or not my predictions were coming true. I did see a lot of reviews which claimed Kaleidoscope wasn't that impressive of a story and that the watch-in-any-order directive had more gimmick than payoff. I have to say, those reviews remind me of critics who rail against pop music or blockbuster movies in favor of niche and nuance. As if crafting something that is appealing to a large amount of people is not impressive. I enjoyed watching the series. I liked how the stories weaved together or clashed against each other because, as with any heist movie, There are a bunch of different motivations, and it was fun trying to figure those motivations out and go through all the twists and turns to get there. And if you're wondering what order I watched Kaleidoscope in, I chose blue, green, orange, violet, yellow, pink, red, and then finished it out with white. Kaleidoscope is on Netflix, as I mentioned earlier, and it is rated TVMA, so it is not one for the kiddos. Next week, I will get into my streaming picks for the rest of January. Until then, I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there, and we will see you next week. 
The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Tina Lamaru. Artwork by Vivian Zhao.